Welcome to a very special episode of Trending in Education, where we discuss what's new and emerging in the world of brains. <laughs> Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very excited to dig into some of our tradition here at Trending in Education. Since we started, we have had a recurring theme in October, particularly towards the end of the month when it gets closer to Halloween, when we like to talk about brains. And I didn't want to have to make this sound myself, so I did look online, and it's surprisingly difficult to find good zombie-saying brains. The closest I could find was a pretty good, keep in mind, on budget, which means free, zombie-saying brain, but it's brain singular. Let's have a listen to this. Brain. He had me, he almost got there. But then he left off the S. To me, it's got to be plural brains. If a zombie's going for a singular brain, I don't know. That almost seems like a fair move by the zombie. Let us know what you think. Happy Halloween. This is a bit of a tradition for us. We do our brains episode just in time for Halloween. So just in time for that spooky creepy crawly holiday season we're going to talk a little bit about brains on the show i'm going to be joined by a virtual co-host where i've been getting great feedback about the performance of our virtual co-host so far we'll have a new voice appearing on the show she'll be joining us shortly so that's something to look forward to and we'll pick up there one quick note it is actually getting really creepy out there for those of you who are paying attention. This Halloween, it does feel like at least where I live, and I do happen to live near the historic Greenwood Cemetery here in Brooklyn, but folks are really getting into this holiday season. I do wonder if there is some Jungian collective upheaval that we're working through that is manifesting itself in... This display of ghouls and goblins, creepy crawlers, and just a ton of bones and skeletons. But c'est la vie, as the French say, and as a parent of a two-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old, it's life, buddy. You gotta learn how to deal with it a little bit. Although, fortunately, he's not as much of a sweets eater, so I think we're gonna get by without having to trick-or-treat with him this year. But by the time he's almost four next year, I have a feeling there will be much to do around this holiday season. But hopefully folks are enjoying themselves out there. With that, we're going to dig into some of the new and emerging trends around brain science that we're seeing out there. I'm not operating alone today. I'll be joined by the lovely and the talented Carla. Carla, welcome to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. I know I've got some big shoes to fill on this episode, which was a staple in the early Brandon, Dan, and Mike period of Trending in Ed. That is correct, Carla. Good research by you. Dan Strafford and Brandon Jones were my co-hosts on Trending in Ed for many 
episodes. And for the first few Halloween episodes, the three of us got together because we shared an interest in neuroscience and what's cutting edge in that space. We can't really go much further without a quick update on Elon Musk and his efforts around Neuralink, which is a trend that we've been tracking since 2016 when this show began. Back then, it felt more like sci-fi. As I understand it now, Carla, Neuralink has been making some real progress forward. Can you give us an update from Elon's world and the world of brains and Neuralink? I sure can. For those who are browsing along, check out Neuralink.com to get the info directly from Elon and crew. That's my primary source here. They outline the science, the application, and the engineering that powers the connection between the brain and a digital universe. In the example on the site, they have humans imagine the movement of a mouse cursor and observe the brain activity among neurons. Once those patterns are understood, they can be sensed for by implants. When the neural signals to move a mouse cursor are seen, the technology is engineered to move the cursor. Several successful experiments have been pioneered by Neuralink and they just received a Series C funding round of $205 million, led by Vi Capital, with participation from Google Ventures, DFJ Growth, Valor Equity Partners, Kraft Ventures, Founders Fund, and Gigafund. In short, things are heating up. There's enough of the magical mix of PR and real science from Mr. Musk that investors are willing to step up to the plate as he continues to get media attention. Yes. In fact, I remember watching a live stream of his pigs who had successfully received the implant. And thanks again to the pigs out there who are helping us move science forward. And then also, good job on you, Elon. You've gone through your peaks and valleys over the years, but in addition to Tesla, I saw my first New York City cab that was at Tesla the other day. I thought that was an interesting thing to see on the streets here. And in addition to that, SpaceX is still doing well in the new celebrity billionaire space wars that are afoot. So lots to keep an eye on when it comes to Elon. Maybe we'll come back to the boring company and what's happening with Superloops on a subsequent conversation. Maybe things will get spooky. Maybe things will get dark. We may enter into a Black Mirror episode unbeknownst to us. And that's the scariest way to enter into a Black Mirror episode, let me tell you. But some interesting stuff on the horizon there. What else in the world of brain research did you discover during your investigation for today's episode. Quite a bit is happening. Increasingly research from pre-K through the life cycle is looking at the role of the brain and brain health in optimal learning and flow states. Sadly, Hungarian-American psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, the father of flow, recently passed away. Nonetheless, his impact on the study of positive states, of being in the zone, has helped launch the field of positive psychology which intersects with neuroscience in interesting ways. If we can identify when people are performing optimally in a flow state, what can we observe of their brain activity at those times? Can we provide folks better feedback so they can in essence tune themselves into a state of flow with some help? We're starting to see this through mindfulness and wellness apps like Calm, Headspace, and Unplug, which have been an ascending trend in recent years. Much of the research cited by these apps connects in part to neuroscience. Many articles found that neurochemical activity is different during peak performance. Irrelevant external stimuli are less likely to be noticed. You can imagine where this type of research could head in the future, aiding the attainment of different modes of consciousness through a range of increasingly invasive brain-computer interfaces culminating in something like Neuralink. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Then I gotta say, check me high. 
Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi is a real hero of mine. Rest in power, Mihaly. Thank you for your contribution to science and performance psychology, which still feels like we're just scratching the surface. So a lot to build on in terms of the work that he did. And he did make a profound impression on the world around him in his close to 90 years on this earth. What else is out there? Anything else in the world of learning and development? I know neuroscience is something that gets a little buzzy and frequently for adult learners, we want a little sugar with our medicine. That spoonful of sugar could be in the form of some snazzy new neuroscience applied to my learning. What did you find on that front? I'm glad you asked, Mike. I discovered a few articles from Wendy Sherwin Shire on LinkedIn that really satiated my hunger for brain-related thought leadership. In particular, Wendy identified the five top trends in neuroscience you need to know in 2021. They are as follows. Artificial intelligence. Early life stress. Brain implants. The brain in social isolation. And last but not least, stem cell therapy. Lots to chew on. Wendy writes on LinkedIn and is a consultant so the focus is on trends that are relevant to the workforce and learning and talent. That's great stuff, Carla. I'd like to circle back to each of those topics to get a little more focus on each. Beginning with the first one, when you talk about artificial intelligence, is it that the massive computing power that's coming online is enabling new insights to emerge from these massive data sets? It used to be that Understanding the complexity of the brain and its dendritic arbors and neurons and axons, neurotransmitters, synapses, it was a lot, but that's one of the places where the massive computing power and the ability to manipulate large data sets is something that's really allowing for some breakthroughs. Exactly. Wendy cites how AI is helping crack the genetic language of Alzheimer's as an example. AI is allowing us to find new and complex answers to difficult questions about the brain. And the flip side is also true. Insights from brain science are informing how we design and model artificial intelligence. All the research into the regenerative power of sleep and other brain states is providing new ideas for AI researchers and engineers looking to design new models for artificial intelligence. That makes a lot of sense. I remember my cognitive psychology, cognitive science from college, where a lot was discussed around the computer model for human cognition. In some ways, you see that moving in both directions. Now, as we learn more about how humans behave, can that then feed back into how we design artificial intelligence? Really interesting stuff and a nice intersection there between AI and the brain. What about early life stress? Wendy notes that childhood adversity was already zeitgeisty before the pandemic and we're doubling and tripling down on it. While the news can be depressing on this front, there is some hope reported around opportunities to reset negative stress responses and coping mechanisms during puberty. Got it. I guess that's good to hear that there's a chance to reset. To quote the great Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. No joke, it is heartening to hear that there are these windows in our life when we get a chance to reset. I just, my recollection of puberty was there was a lot going on and it's not always the easiest time to prepare for that reset, but that is good news that there's a chance to start fresh and that our brains are neuroplastic. Neuroplasticity is a nice buzzword that's out there and it sounds like there are particular windows around adolescence, perhaps others later on in life, or at least I hope where we can reset ourselves and perhaps recover from early trauma. 
there are many stories of folks who overcame very difficult early upbringings. We all talk about learning through failure and learning through hardship, finding meaning through the struggle. Uh, yeah, I've cited Victor Frankl many times on the show, but also the renewed focus on early childhood education is a, a thread that we've been picking up on a bunch. Uh, also, as it relates to nutrition and better measurement of health outcomes, lots to discuss on this front and something we'll continue to track. How about brain implants? Is this where the Neuralink brain connection begins to come into play? Yes, indeed, Mike. The main focus of the research in this space has been with brain and spinal injuries where paralyzed individuals can find new means of expressing themselves and interacting with the world around them through the use of technologies like Neuralink. More broadly, the emerging technology of brain-computer interfaces, or BCIs. Yep, makes a ton of sense. And then when we talk about the brain and social isolation, my take is that we had a social isolation and loneliness epidemic predating the pandemic. And then just like the pandemic accelerated many other trends we discuss on the show around online learning and social-emotional awareness, social justice issues, it did have an accelerating effect on isolation, and that is now manifested in the neuroscience research that we're seeing out there. That's right. A whole wave of research began in 2020, focusing on the consequences of the pandemic. The uncomfortable mix of social isolation, prolonged uncertainty, and overall disruption to our routines that's been the hallmark of the last 18 months has had an adverse impact on our brains. In the article, she cites the way in which brains have been shown to light up in response to pictures of people much like a hungry brain responds to food. In addition, she cites research that has shown that pandemic-induced stress impairs the functioning of the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, for whatever reason, I do feel like everyone is more on edge these days, and it may be that our prefrontal cortices are distracted by other things that are occupying our mind so we don't have as much of a reserve of patience as much of a reserve of grace which was one of the major trends that we heard really throughout 2020 now we're almost through 2021 grace is becoming a way of life not something that we're doing in response to a one-time challenge that we're faced with instead we have to figure out how do we summon up the reserves how do we get ourselves into those positive mental states? And how do we do that at times when we're being deprived of some of the components of social life, human interaction that has historically been so critical to us? So I'm not surprised by those findings, but it is a place where hopefully we'll learn how to begin to course correct as we start to come out. Last but not least, and maybe perhaps the most spooky of the five trends that Wendy identified is stem cell therapy. Can you update us on what she was looking at there? Yes, as you may know, stem cell research is quite controversial on a number of fronts, all of it stemming from whether it is ethical to tamper with primordial forces that can ultimately create tissue that is alive. As Dr. Frankenstein famously said, it's alive. All jokes aside, stem cell research is making its way into brain research. Neuronal cells have been generated and even many brains are being created for treatments for spinal injuries among other things. This opens up fascinating questions about whether cerebral organoids are alive and aware. Amazing stuff. You had me at cerebral organoids, and I'm immediately thinking back to the late great 
Gene Wilder, Marty Feldman, and Peter Boyle from Young Frankenstein. For those of you who have not seen Young Frankenstein yet, please do so. In fact, right after listening to this episode, watch Young Frankenstein. It's a good holiday ritual for us. And uh, in addition to cerebral organoids, the other thing that I found in Wendy's article, which was quite interesting, and again, kudos to Wendy Sherwin Swire on LinkedIn. I, she picked up my follow and maybe the rest of you, if you're curious, check her out there. But then the last trend that she notes is called interoception. Interoception, which is an interesting one. Hadn't heard of it before, but it made a lot of sense when she explained it to me. Can you paraphrase for us what was in the article and what's going on with interoception? Absolutely. Interoception builds on the idea of an integrated relationship between mind and body. Interoception refers to the embodiedness of perception. Things like the feeling of one's heartbeat or breathing, feelings of hunger or even the importance of fidgeting and other movements for cognition. It's still in its early stages, but it's an interesting bonus trend to be thinking about especially as we continue to be captivated by the mythology of artificial intelligence. What might it feel like to be a robot overlord or an embodied cyborg? Those things are a bit scary after all, aren't they? Indeed, they are scary, Carla. In fact, some folks might even be creeped out by a virtual guest or a virtual co-host. You know I'm not freaked out. I'm sure our listeners aren't. Uh, they've gotten to know several of y'all over the years. But maybe a little bit of fright is good for us. Hopefully, any frights folks are having are at least partly intended and all in good fun. Like my dad used to say, he liked banging his head because it felt so good when it stops. The Halloween season will be over. Hopefully you enjoy it while you can. As we wrap up our Halloween holiday episode, I'd like to start by thanking you, Carla, for your wonderful contribution. I literally could not have done this episode alone. I needed the assistance of a virtual human. You performed admirably. We'll have to have our own version of the Hunger Games or Squid Games of our co-hosts down the road to figure out which of our virtual friends ultimately wins the day. I'm kidding, Carla. You're all going to get along. Everything's going to be great. But thank you so much for your contribution on today's brain-inspired Halloween special. Thanks, Mike. It was my pleasure. Hopefully I wasn't too scary for our listeners. Just scary enough. Indeed, Carla, I think you threaded that needle with a plum. Thanks as always to our listeners for listening. We're trying out some new things. We'll continue to come back with the interview formats you love. We'll cover as wide a range of emerging topics as we can, including brains, including brain science. Elon, showing you the love again. Open invite. Come join us here on Trending in Education. Have a safe and happy Halloween season. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend, hit us up at Trending in Ed on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at trendinged.com. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>